tell you a little stories about um, getting meals before I got married. <laughs> when I was when I went to uni, I never I never cooked a meal for three years. Played it with my cousins and uh, it was Macca's one night, Pizza Hut. You can get these little small one pizza sort of meals, Kentucky Fried. And I used to get one meal at uni and then I'd score one meal at a friend's joint. Just work it out each week. I did that for three years, it was fantastic. Then I came home every I came home every weekend and got mum to do all my washing for me and then I went back again. I sort of <laughs> that it was fantastic. Actually, talk but um, when I, I got married a lot later than my contemporaries, and I spent um, a lot of my time organising my eating schedule. It's got a lot of invites out, and I even actually once they had a little book running. So someone say, "What next Tuesday? No, actually, no, I'm going to um, I'm going to Glen's Joint Tuesday. I can do Thursday though, or Friday night." <laughs> I don't know whether they felt sorry for me or they just wanted to be up for a big debate or chin wag about something. I don't know what it was, but yeah, it was a bit, a bit weird. So, yep, we've got 14 days. We've got a bit of a challenge. 14 days of fast food. Is it, guys? Fasting. 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 Yeah, 14 days of fast food. That's <laughs> <laughs> a challenge. All right. Goody. All right. Um, now, um, yeah, in the 70s... Oh, we, uh, we, part of the church program was, um, that we went to was, uh, we had this musical outreach that went on, and um, it was a big deal for our church, and um, um, I remember my brother and Shane and my dad were involved, they just played the drums, we played drums for the first time, then after they worked out, he wasn't that good at it, they just got him to sing, um, and we put on this huge show, we ran musicals. Um, get the names and one was called Share one, um, one was called um, actually there's a children's musical that Todd was in called something about bullfrogs wasn't it? Bullfrogs, bullfrogs and butterflies right? but we had this big deal going on we'd hide out bulls um, we'd do leaflet drops a couple of months beforehand set up the sound done these put the chairs out it was just a big deal um, a real 70s thing actually church got together and all this stuff but one song and one musical stood out to me, actually. It was called, the first one they did, it was called Jesus Christ, There Was a Man. And um, it talked about the lack of songs about Jesus, this sort of the theme of the song. They're not going to sing you a song. Actually, I have a great deal of difficulty singing. Uh, since I damaged my voice about two years ago, I really, uh, if I sang, I'd run out of voice within about five minutes. Uh, which is unusual, but um, that's what I've got at the moment. But, so I'm not going to sing the song, but it was an interesting song because it, um, it talked about the lack of songs about Jesus. And it talked about the lack of songs about Jesus and the, discussed the mystery, given he was such an amazing person. Why don't people sing songs about him instead of all the other songs that were on the radio at the time? So I've been thinking about... what. Um, that and a whole range of things. And I want to talk today about making Jesus the song that we sing. I just want to read out four different scriptures. They're all out of John. First one's John 1, 14 to 18. John 1, 14 to 18. And the Word became flesh and God among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And John 1, 43, 45, just flick over the page. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And John 4, 27, 30. Just then his disciples came back. They marvelled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. And John 6, 66, 69. They're all close together, so it's not too much page flipping. John 6, 66 to 69. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus, we just uh, thank you, Lord, for these words. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather here this morning and talk about you. Thank you, Lord, you help me as I speak to share accurately and faithfully what Scripture says. I pray, God, that today we might leave all with a, a picture of you that inspires us and causes us to seek you and to worship you. In greater and greater ways. Yeah, I see things in your name. Amen. Now, this is uh, this message is a little bit different, um, and it stems from a rather long conversation I've been having with Barb's, and um, more recently at our home group. And I don't think Dan and Sam are here today. Are they? No. Yeah. <coughs> if I was, if if I um, referred to the discussion we're having in our home group, it's the it's the it's the discussion we're having about box ticking. Um, and many balls in the air discussion in general know what I'm talking about. You can ask me later about that. <clears throat> um, well, what is it about Christianity that differentiates it from most other religious systems? Well, I often ask myself this question because in, in sharing my faith, you often get confronted with other perspectives of different religions. What, what is different about Christianity? Um, Is it not that we follow a God who in a great mystery became one of us and walked the earth inviting us to follow him as we just read those passages before? When I became a Christian many, many, many years ago, um, I was challenged to have a personal relationship with Jesus. That was the call of the cry at the time in our church. I mean, our church motto is connecting people with Jesus. There is something inherent in the Christian message that centres on Jesus. That is often, it's, it's, it's quite distinctly different from many other religious groups. 
I was not challenged to have a personal relationship with a set of rules. I was not challenged to have a personal relationship with an organisation or a religious group. Um, the, the three wise men didn't come and worship a book. The three wise men didn't come and see something in the manger other than a baby that was going to grow and become um, the saviour of the world. I was, I, I was struck by that in, in our discussion at times at Home Group, that we are, we are called to a relationship with a person. Um, and dare I say it, we're not called primarily to have a relationship with a book, even the Bible, which is God's word. And I get concerned, the book is from God, and it tells me about him, but the three wise men didn't gather around that. They gathered around a baby. They gathered around a great mystery that we are um, drawn to of Jesus. Um, we'd be called into a relationship with a, a man who was God, a personal relationship, a dynamic relationship, and a miraculous relationship. <clears throat> now this book tells us about him. This book guides us and points us to him. It's divinely inspired. I know I've read this book for most of my life and will continue to read it uh, for most of my life. Here in this book are conter- contain the words of life. We need to read it and act on it and base our lives upon it. But these words, this book, points us to Jesus. This book tells us to worship Jesus. And I want to ask you this morning, is that the theme of your life? Is your life set on a course to worship Jesus? Think about that. Why am I thinking about this issue? Why have we talked about it in our home group? And why have Barb and I had an ongoing discussion for many, many years? Um, if there's one thing I know, and Scripture itself talks about it, it's the tendency of people to make religion into a set of rules or boxes to tick. It's the thing Jesus railed against with the Pharisees. Um, and and it's, it's, it's something about the nature of humanity that we want to reduce something to the things that we can contain, things that we can control. Ultimately, even our Christian message at times, and I'm as much guilty of this as, as any, uh, is, is focused down on some key issues like, like eternity and, and how to get there and how to be a part of um, heaven. And, and even, in a sense, if I remember back to my salvation experience, so it was this real focus on things like that. Um, not saying that Jesus wasn't mentioned, but often we want to find down the message of Christianity into steps and rules. Uh, I've even written tracts, and I've always pieced them together in a bit of a logical fashion to, to get to a point, and here, if you just do this, you can, can become a Christian. And it's all, it's all correct, I'm not saying that, and there are, there are um, ways of explaining things where you have to express them in propositions like that. Um, and it's all true, but it's not the centre of what we believe. They're often the dividends of what we believe. The centre is a man who is God and came to know, came so that we could know him and follow him. That's the essential Christian message. We're not calling people to a religious system. We're calling them to meet a man. Just like Philip found Nathaniel, 
and told him, just like the Samaritan woman went back to her town and told them, uh, just like the disciples who saw no option but Jesus, we are called into a relationship with Jesus. Now, I, I have a curious little story. I've got a few curious stories in my life, but I've got a curious story about a guy that used to work for me, and Todd knows him, Craig, Craig is his name, and Todd will know immediately who I'm talking about. Now, Craig was a smart guy, he was smarter than me, um, a very good uh, manager, and he worked for us managing orchards. Um, he was so smart that he knew that I was a Christian, and he knew that I wanted to witness to him, so he spent eight years avoiding a discussion that would talk about Jesus. You're very carefully, he, I, I used to see it, I know what you're doing, you're working this conversation away from where I'm going. So, so uh, he, had a, he had a strange background, he grew up in a church background, I think they were open brethren or something, I can't quite remember the but or Salvation Army or something, and, and uh, he had a really tragic story, his father had a heart attack in his bedroom and uh, when he was 12, and he fell against the door and the 12-year-old boy, Craig, couldn't open the door to let him out and he died. It really, you know, quite a tragic sort of... And I don't know whether that, that bent him in some way. I imagine it bent most people, but, but he, he was very cold to the idea of Christianity or religion. <clears throat> but one day, uh, he came to us and said, I'm going to leave you guys. I've got another job, which is sad for us because he was a good friend. And I thought, oh, I've never witnessed this, but I've tried. I said, anyway, we had this job come up and... Um, um, it was fixing up a filter system and I knew it was going to t- take about three or four hours and I, I said, well, if I can't, if I can't work a, an angle out to talk about Jesus, I'm just going to tell him. And I remember sitting there saying, look, um, Craig, you know, you know I'm a Christian. You know, I said, but you've never ever asked me about what I believe. Never ever given me an opportunity to talk about Jesus with you. Why? And he said, oh... Oh, I don't know. I don't know why. He just didn't want to talk about it. But I said, oh, I don't know. Well, okay, tell me. Tell me about it then. You know? It was a bit like that. It was pretty weird. Anyway, so as we worked on the filter, we got, I got talking about it. And in the end, I thought, oh, great. Um, I'll I tell you what, great. I'll give you a book to read. So I went and got a book. And I've got a ton of books at home. And I, I thought, what am I, he's, a, he's an intelligent bloke. I'll, I'll give him Josh McDowell's More Than a Carpenter. Who's, who's ever read that book? Yeah, it's, it's almost, it's a great book because it's, you know, he's an intelligent guy, Josh McDowell, and it presents the gospel and all that. So I gave it to Craig. About a year later, he came back and saw me and he said, oh. I said, oh, you've got a funny religion, he said. It's like a legal, it's like a legal document, this book. It's judging and this. Oh, I don't know. I, I, don't, I didn't get it. And, and the thought struck me, what am I present, what did I present to him? Now, the book's great. And I still think it's a good book to give people. But he read it as a set of rules. And I don't think that's what I really wanted to communicate. I wanted to tell him about Jesus, but he read it like that. Um, And it made me wonder how a gospel message is heard. And secondly, um, how much our practice resembles following rules and processes. I think I know why this happens to some extent, and and it's almost impossible not to to, um, avoid it, because in reality the Bible is full of instructions, and and, and they're right instructions, they're proper. We should follow 
God's guidance, rules, laws. But we live in a world of technique. Most of the world now, um, and I won't go into it at length, is geared around the idea of technique, about finding out how to do stuff. Even universities, uh, many, many centuries ago, universities weren't geared around teaching you how to do things, they taught you how to think. But now they teach you how to do certain things. So we live in a world of te- technique, we live in a world of demands, we're very process driven, we just want to know what to do. Actually, Barb's and I have this quite a difference in our personalities on this issue. Barb's is a person, um, if she was here today, um, um, she, she would say, I just want to know what to do and I just want to go on and do it. And she has lists and stuff like that. This is where our discussion about box tickers and... Because I'm just not that sort of person. <laughs> I've never been a box ticker. I, I, have, I have multiple balls in the air. Usually most of them never fall. And, and uh, I have... Um, I had many discussions going on, and that disorientates Barb's because she doesn't like someone. She likes to just know what's going on and just wants to do it. And I'm thinking, like, well, what about that? Oh, what about that? No, what? I've been thinking about that, Barb's. I'm not sure about that anymore. And I'll, this is our, our little dance we have in our marriage, and I think it frustrates Barb's no end. Um, but I think, generally speaking, we 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 in, are in a world that are, is looking for. Uh, how to do it, how to do uh, the task, how to, how to complete things and getting the job done. Um, so it's in that context we in the Christian faith are called to follow a person, not to discover a set of rules, not to construct a strategy of living so that we get somewhere, but we are called primarily to follow a person, and that person's Jesus. Jesus actually himself railed against the tendency of humans to want to set up religious systems that were bound by rules and regulations and call that the way to worship God. We are called to worship Jesus. <clears throat> if the gospel is clear about one thing, it is that following Jesus is the only way to God, not following rules. And I love these posters. I'll put them up every now and then when I'm on the roster. Jesus. And what's our um, motto in the church or theme? Connecting people to Jesus. Not connecting people to rules. Not connecting people to an organisation. Not connecting people to a, a strategy of living. It's connecting people to Jesus. God does not measure us against rules. He measures, our, he measures Jesus then waves the rules penalty on us which is a completely liberating idea the rules effectively bring us to God they make us see that we can't make it but God judges Jesus and he was judged on our behalf on the cross he died that we might live why is this an issue? I think in genuine faith we become Christians, but very quickly we evaluate our progress against the right commands of Scripture. It's inevitable that when you become a Christian, you you, you understand that you are in need of something. And then you read the Bible and you see that there's a righteous standard that's dictated in the Bible. 
to, so I think it's a reasonable sort of response that after we become a Christian, we start looking at our lives, measuring it against what's in the Bible. It's reasonable and right to do that. But then it doesn't take much to flick from there to, I don't know whether I'm quite good enough. I don't know whether I measure up well enough. It's a very easy human transition to make. Um, and it's inevitable. We'll, become, we'll come up wanting. We won't be able to follow the rules perfectly. Um, we'll get better at it. But if you use that as your gauge of salvation, you will miserably fail. Our gauge of salvation is what Jesus did, not what we do. <clears throat> the, the question then becomes for me a very important one. How do we follow Jesus? How do we do what Scripture commands us to do? How do we follow in the footsteps of these disciples that follow Jesus? Um, is it possible? What does it look like? If I was to ask you, what does it look like to follow Jesus? What, does it, what, what would your response be? Have you ever thought about what that might look like? It's a strange question to ask because we're all Christians. Obviously, we must start with Scripture. Everything begins here because it's from Him and it talks about Him and it guides us. And in that, we see firstly that the disciples identified with Christ. We just read some accounts of that before. It's easy in a way to see how the disciples followed Jesus because they, they, they were with Him. They ate with Him. They lived with Him. They slept with Him. They walked with Him. So for them to have that personal connection with Jesus to walk and follow him was a much more immediate process than what it is for us. Um, but how does that concept of having a relationship with Jesus and following Jesus in that sort of intimate way extend to us? Or is it even conceivable that the way they related to Jesus, in some way we can relate to Jesus and have some of those same dynamics there? Here's where I think it gets really challenging. Because we go from walking with Jesus, we look through scripture, walking with Jesus in those examples in John, to um, Jesus saying he's leaving and then he's sending the Holy Spirit and he's going to come and become even better. And then through our Acts and in the epistles and Revelation, God is still relating to the believers in a very dynamic way. He appears in Acts, he speaks, he gives visions, he gives dreams. The Holy Spirit gives them a sense of approval in decisions. There is a sense of a real dynamic interaction with Jesus and the church. So when we're called to follow Jesus, should it resemble some of those aspects? Should we have a very personal, um, intimate relationship with Jesus like those early disciples had? And if so, what does that look like and how do we foster that in our own lives? There's also a whole raft of spiritual gifts laid out for us in Scripture um, that are dynamic by nature and they involve believers hearing and speaking to people God's truth and his direction. There are dynamic gifts of healing and miracles uh, that God performs uh, through people by his spirit. So there's a, there's a dynamic aspect, evidence in Scripture about the way Christians connect with Jesus and relate to Jesus and know Jesus. The question we need to ask ourselves, if we are sincere about this, is to is to say, is this, what should we expect? What should be the hallmarks of following Jesus? What evidences should be in our life that, that demonstrate we are connecting to Jesus? How, how does that look? What does, 
How can I move closer to him in looking at the example of Scripture? And how do I foster that? Now, I don't propose to answer these questions fully because they're very complicated questions. But I just want to get you thinking in terms of how does the Bible portray a person's interaction with Jesus? How are we to follow him? What does it look like in a very personal and real and intimate sense? Now, not naive, I know that there's a great debate throughout the work, throughout the world about the nature of how God speaks to us today um, and how spiritual gifts are to be understood and the whole realm of God speaking to people and directing people and leading people. I don't answer that question either because that is a very big topic. But I want to talk about my own journey. And I think sometimes our own journeys can help us understand at least the way God's dealing with us and the way God has dealt dealt with me as as I talk about my own journey. I grew up... Um, as Todd did in the Presby Church. We, we, we were going to the Presbyterian Church in Marutna. I think about the time they were having the, uh, the Uniting Church get-together, where they all came together, but then they produced, um, instead of producing one church, I think they produced four out of three. So um, it was a big move to unite all the churches. And my mum actually was the first Presbyterian lay woman preacher in Australia. I don't think they allow that anymore, but she was the first woman never to... We have a, a lay preacher in the Presbyterian Church. She then became born again. And uh, we were all dragged up, dragged off to the growing Pentecostal church in town, which is now Encounter Church on Journey Road. And at that place, it wasn't actually there, it was down. It was down actually where the current day Presbyterian Church is in Shepparton. So um, at that church, we all got saved. And it was, I've got to say, a pretty dynamic place. Every week, we're exposed to the concept of a God who, who dynamically spoke to us through prophecies, uh, words of knowledge, speaking in tongues, the whole nine yards of the Pentecostal experience. Um, there was demons getting cast out every second week. It was, as a young kid, I thought it was pretty entertaining, actually. It was pretty full on. Um, over the time there, my first few years were characterised essentially by a fear that I was not saved. I got professed faith in Christ, then I spent a lot of my teenage years thinking, I don't think I'm saved, I don't think I'm good enough. I was a rat bag of a kid, to be honest, actually. I got, uh, I got in a lot of trouble at school, and me and my dad, we, 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 we sort of butted heads a bit, and, and dad and his wisdom worked out a way to understand me, and uh, to his credit, we fostered a good relationship. But reflecting off that, I often thought I wasn't saved, and... Um, and my life didn't match up with, with the boxes that need ticking to, to some extent. <clears throat> um, but Pentecostalism, if I looked at that period of my life, presented God as an extraordinarily personal God. I mean, you can't go away from a meeting where the idea is put up that God is speaking to me in words and telling me about my week or telling me about something I've, I've done or telling and not think that that's not personal. Up until my father died, when I was still at uni, I thought very simplistically about God. I, I just had this concept that, that uh, you go to church and you got saved in a certain way and God spoke to us at these Pentecostal gatherings and I, I'm not sure I, I applied my mind much to it at all. But when my father died, I had a period of really intense introspection about the way God interacted with us. It was primarily brought about by the fact that, that there was prophecies that he would be healed, and he wasn't, and he died. 
And so for me, it led to a, a great conflict in my own heart and mind. I just thought this, it, it didn't seem to add up. So for probably a period of 10, 15 years, I, I spent a lot of time reading um, and thinking about how God speaks to us, how God relates to us. And that was in a climate of Pentecostalism where there was a real emphasis on bizarre manifestations of God. So, you know, I, I had a lot tossing around in my mind in, in terms of thinking about how God interacted with us. Eventually, after reading lots of books and uh, asking lots of questions, I came to see that the historical orthodox approach to Scripture, which is broadly called Reformed, the Reformed approach to Scripture, I think most accurately describes how we're to understand God, most accurately describes how we're to interpret Scripture. And I found that hugely comforting, actually, because um, the world I'd come from, to some extent, or still in, was, was not as tethered to a, a, what I think is, a, is a, a more helpful understanding of Scripture than what Reformed theology gave. Um, but what I did find, and what I have found, is that it's hard to actually live in two camps, or it's hard to actually embrace both that very reformed um, word-based approach to Christianity and a very experiential-based approach that Pentecostalism exhibits. Very difficult to, to, to live in both of those. Um, you, you eventually, um, and for me, it's, it's maybe I'm a bit um, bipolar or something, but I find if I, if I push too much into that uh, word-based, very clinical, rules-based approach to to Christianity, I, I start to shut down that dynamic sense of God, and alternatively, if I push too much in that direction, it becomes untethered from the truth of Scripture to some extent. So it's, it's a little bit of a challenge for me. Now, this is a very simplistic summary, and we could talk about this at a great length, but I think in a sense, the two approaches tend to subdue each other, in a way. A person either heads to the safety of just the word, or conversely, the energy and excitement of the prospect of being so close to God that he's speaking to you in a very real, intimate, dynamic way. Difficult to hold those two things together. And it's a challenge for me, personally, because I can't deny that I've seen God work in mysterious ways. I've had dreams about um, things to come. I've had unmistakable impressions about events that cannot be dismissed as coincidences. Not a lot, but I can't just say they don't happen. Um, but it's a challenge for me when I draw a lot of comfort from God's Word and understanding it and having the truth of it soak into my heart and soul. So you've got these two dances going, or at least I have. Um, I think also about stories I hear in missionary activities in Muslim countries. I don't know if anyone's read books by a guy by the name of Nick Ripkin. I think that's a pseudonym for his real name. But I, uh, he talks about God personally visiting and interacting with Muslims that don't know much about Jesus at all and giving them dreams and visions and then people coming uh, and then also giving instructions to Christians to meet these people in curious places around the world. It's... I find it almost unbelievable. I'm not saying the guy's not um, telling the truth, but it is so fantastic. And all I can do is think, dear God, you are, you are way beyond my understanding. The way you're mysteriously working in the world is beyond my ability to be able to detail it all out. 
church. So I can't deny that God has worked in these personal, intimate, and quite um, miraculous ways. But it is a challenge for me. I take seriously the truth, though, that God is a personal God. I take seriously the truth that I'm created in his image as a person. And I take seriously the the truth that we're to have a relation with him that reflects those characteristics. He's both a personal God and I'm a person made in his image. Um, You know, and you read through scripture and you come across this very personal description of how we were to relate to God. John 10.4, my sheep will know my voice. John 14.23, Jesus will make his home with us. John 14, God dwells in us. And John 15.15, we're no longer God's servants, we're his friends. We look at the personal characterisation of how we're to relate to God there. To me, I'm drawn to that. There is an intimacy here that flows perfectly from the way Jesus walked on the earth and dealt with his disciples. And I'm suggesting that our walk with God must be grounded in the truth, but it must be a personal faith. It can't deviate from what Scripture says, but it must be personal. It must have a vibrancy and a dynamic about it that that understands this personal God and his desire to want to know us personally and for us to know him personally. So Scripture points us to him, but we must set the course of our lives on a path that takes these words and wrestles with this difficult idea of, tr- of having a personal relationship with God. And it's not an easy task. Now, it's really unusual. If you look at 1 Corinthians 13, 8 to 13, even the spiritual gifts he gives us are incomplete. They're not perfect. Talk, Paul talks about a, looking through a, into a mirror dimly or a glass darkly. It's even even the very tools God's given the church are, are difficult to wrestle with. I suppose this is where it comes down to me. I don't even want to be prescriptive about how we're to know Jesus personally, but I do say that we are directed to have a personal relationship with Christ. We are directed to connect with Him in a way that a person would connect with a person. I'm suggesting today that we embrace very humbly the words of Jesus. And I'm suggesting that you think about this issue and ask yourself, does my life reflect a personal relationship with Jesus? If people looked at me, would they say, I don't understand you, Pete, but you you seem to believe that Jesus is real and that you have a relationship with him and that he is the centre of your life. Would they say that about me? Would they say that about you? I'm suggesting to all of us, myself included, that we hold very tightly to this word, but we open our hearts and minds to a dynamic and mysterious God who wants us to know him in a, in a personal sense. Now, God in, a, in the grandest of all mysteries, and I, I just... I, I just think this is just out of this world, and it is. Um, he, he has poured himself, in his great wisdom, he has poured himself 
the divinity was poured into human flesh and walked this earth and people knew him. And he's saying to us, you, you are to worship and know Jesus. That, that is a profound challenge to me. Does my life reflect that truth? To know someone intimately is more than just remote knowledge. As, as skilled as we may be at understanding words, it's more than just remote knowledge. It's an expectation that we will interact with God on a, on a very personal level. And I think, and it's my conviction, that if we were to um, re, uh, reflect a personal um, intimate, worship-centred approach to Jesus, and we spoke about him in those terms and talked in the community about having this conviction that we are walking with Jesus, he, that he, in, in a grand mystery, lives within us by his spirit, and, and think about it in those terms and express it in those terms, I think people may stop and think and ask, what, do you really believe that? Oh, I thought you just followed a set of rules. I thought you just believed a, set, a certain set of um, doctrines or something. Now, we do all that, but we would centre on a man. And this man was divine. God pulled himself into this man and offset the course of my life to know him and to worship him and to follow him. I don't think my life has, has often reflected that. And I, I, it, it's caused me um, a, a lot of thinking just as I consider this issue for a few years now. How much does my life resemble following a set of rules or how much does it follow reflecting a relationship? If I want, if my desire is to connect this community to Jesus, then I want to connect myself so I can reveal what that connection looks like. I'm, I'm convinced that if we set our course on having a, dom, a, a dynamic relationship with Jesus, the way we speak about him to those who do not know him will radically change. Now, I don't say I've got any keys or formulas. Dare I say, I haven't got any boxes to tick on this issue uh, to show you how to do this. Um, I'm just saying, very humbly, I'm just saying, let's, let's centre our affections and our motivations and the desires of our life on, on the person of Jesus and start thinking about presenting him to this world. And I think we'd be surprised what effect he might have. I'm going to try to do better myself, uh, but I'm, I'm just coming to you today and saying, would you join me in thinking about presenting Jesus to this community? So I, I desperately want them to know him. I spent all week at a planning panel's hearing regarding solar energy for this region, and I sat and watched lawyers and barristers battle it out, and I was, I was cross-examined, and I sat there and think, man, these people are completely lost. I'm battling about some weird stuff. Big deal. Do you, do you, I, sometimes I, I think, do you, you guys, could you stop? Oh, I'd like to tell you about Jesus. Like to, I, this stuff's nonsense. <laughs> I know something that you don't know and you need to know about Jesus. So that's my prayer today, that, that uh, you have a glimpse of that. And, uh, and I'm not saying you're not following Jesus, but I'm saying... Let's, let's, as a church, make him the centre of our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you today that we can be here. We thank you, Lord, that we can um, rest on the authority of your scriptures. We thank you, Lord, that these scriptures point to Jesus. And I pray, God, that the words I've spoken and, and the thoughts I've shared, Lord, will 
will take root in, in my heart again and in our hearts, Lord, that, that we are to make Jesus the centre of our lives. And Lord, pursue as difficult a task as it is, Lord, a dynamic relationship with Him. I pray, God, you would speak to each of us. I pray, God, you would reveal yourself to us. Lord, I trust you that this prayer will not be unanswered, God, but your desire is to reveal yourself to us in greater and greater ways. I pray, God, that we would be able to explore and embrace the, the dynamic personal relationship with the, the Saviour of this world. What a tremendous gift we've been given on Him. I pray, God, you would help us to, to know Him and know Him fully and more fully each day. Pass these things in Jesus' name. Amen.